the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. Hope you all had a good, healthy, safe three-day weekend. We're back, and there's a lot to cover. I wanted to start this opening segment with something perhaps you didn't see as a headline. We'll get to the other traditional headlines in a little bit, from COVID to Afghanistan to domestic politics. I wanted to start off with this point where the culture seems to intersect a bit with politics. And Bill, hold me accountable. I want to spend a lot of time on the notion of everything being political now at some point. Just We'll do that with the Hallmans as well. Lewis Hallman has a great Marxist explanation or an explanation of that as uh, from, from the perspective of um, those who believe in Karl Marx's philosophies. Listen to this out of the Wall Street Journal. Men are abandoning higher education in such numbers that they now trail female college students by record levels. At the end of the last academic year, women made up 60% of college students, an all-time high, and men 40%, according to the National Student Clearinghouse data. Uh, This is a 71% decline over the last five years of men's enrollment in higher education. And it leads, obviously, not only to an education gap, but an employment gap. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that because I know there's a discussion about the value of college. That's not what the Wall Street Journal is aiming at, and that's not what underlies this. Those not going to college aren't aren't going because they disagree with the philosophy they're going to find in college. The article goes on to say no reversal is in sight. Men are falling behind remarkably fast, said Thomas Mortensen, a senior scholar at the Pell Institute for the Study of Opportunity in Higher Education. American colleges, which are embroiled in debates over racial and gender equality and working on ways to reduce assault and harassment of women campus, have yet to reach a consensus on what might slow the retreat of men from higher education. Huh. Maybe read the first sentence and connect it to the second. Is there a thumb on the scale for boys? Absolutely, said Jennifer Delahunty, a college enrollment consultant who previously ran the admissions department at Kenyon College. The question is, she asks, is that right or wrong? Close quote. Huh. Interesting. So we're beginning to at least condition the brain and the thinking and the notion that it might be okay to be putting the thumb on the scale against men. Um, The question then becomes, 
really, why is this happening? Why is this happening? War on boys, women excelling, little bit of both going on here. We have for at least two or three decades told women, you go, girl. And they did. And they did. We've opened up all the barriers that previously existed. We have shattered pretty much every glass ceiling one can imagine that can be shattered politically or culturally. We have become so good at this, so good at building up women and feminism, whatever wave it's on. Are we now into fourth wave feminism? I'm not so sure. That someone forgot to save the males. I want you to think about some other statistics when you think about what's going on in our culture right now, because it's not just college education that's the problem. It's living at home and failure to launch, which is a huge problem. Record numbers, previously unknown numbers of young working age males choosing to stay at home, increasing screen time, not in front of computers with spreadsheets, but in front of computers and TVs with games and pornography. Now let me talk to you about substance abuse for a moment or drug abuse. You think this is a male problem or do you think it might be a female problem? It's a male problem by and large. I, you know, you can always find your exceptions, but at this point, nearly 60 plus percent, the exact inverse number of college admissions between men and women, 60 percent of deaths due to drug overdose, 60 percent are under the age of 45, okay, and have hit men about four times the rate of women. 93,000 deaths, four times as many men as women, plurality, well, majority of them under the age of 45, majority, 60% under the age of 45. Now, talk to me a little bit about what this country is messaging and doing about any of that. 93,000 deaths last year. Immediately, the mind goes to, yeah, Liebson, but, you know, We've lost in a year and a half some 660, 667,000 to COVID. Yes and no. Yes and no. The question is, who are they? The question is volition. The question is direct cause. The question is underlying conditions and comorbidities. The question is inspired by illegal behavior and just going on with living your life while following all the rules. Act of God, act of man. Very big difference. To which I know the next layer is, well, we think, or our best thinking right now, is that this was an act of man, COVID. May or may not have been. Certainly China bears the culpability for whether it engaged in it deliberately or whether it tried to cover it up 
after the fact accidentally. Both were acts, either were acts of volition that led to the worldwide crisis involving COVID, to be sure. But it's nothing like or analogous to the kind of problem that has taken multiples of those lives over the last generation due to substance abuse. COVID is novel, and I don't know if there will be an end in sight. I will point out this on the issue that I asked to be reminded about, which is making everything political, the personal political. I was thinking about that in the context of COVID because that is where the phrase has most made its comeback. When the team panic or team fear speaks on media, excuse me, speaks on media. I'll try this again. Let me start this sentence over. When team panic or team fear speaks about COVID mediation efforts, more often than not, you will hear them say, and Joe Biden does this in almost every speech on COVID, you will hear them say, there's nothing political about what we're asking. It's just the science. Fine. What are the thresholds and when does that apolitical science begin? I decided to get off the theme for just a moment of who was making vaccines political last year, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, of course, and just talk about COVID generally. Forget mediation strategies. Forget therapeutics. What did Joe Biden say last summer at what was then deemed and may still be by the history books deemed his most important and watched speech of his lifetime? That is to say, his speech at the Democratic National Convention last year, his nomination speech. What did he say about COVID last year and who made what political? Here we go. Quote, just this president on the facts. He's talking to Trump. Just this president on the facts. Five million Americans infected by COVID-19. More than 170,000 Americans have died. By far the worst of any nation on earth. Is that political? Blaming Donald Trump for 170,000 deaths? You think maybe a little bit? Well, now we at least have a threshold. Because guess what? 64% more deaths since Joe Biden became president. 267,000. Can we say that's the worst performance on earth now? I'm Seth Liebson. A lot more to come on men, COVID, politics, and Afghanistan. Should keep us busy for the next few hours. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. For all your air conditioning and plumbing needs, I want you to check out Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing, sponsors of this show, but also a company I have used, continue to use, continue to recommend, family and friends use 
cool touch as well. Open 24-7, yes, weekends and at night. I have experienced that with the most fabulous customer service of any small business I've ever encountered. For any plumbing or air conditioning needs you have right now, replacement, inspection, repair, new, you name it, check out my friends at Cool Touch, cooltouchac.com. CoolTouchAC.com or give them a ring at 623-734-1932. The only company I call. Tell them Seth sent you. Welcome back. 602-508-0960 is the number. I'm going to come back to this point about men as I bring in a few other elements to it that had me thinking about it along with the Wall Street Journal article. I was listening to Adam Carolla interviewing the singer Don, the singer-songwriter Don McLean. Did you hear that interview by chance? You did. Don McLean, best known for Van Gogh, Ameri- well, American Pie. <laughs> I have this game of identifying people by the thing they're least well-known for. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we could do that with Don McLean. We won't. American Pie was his big one. And he was talking with Adam about everything from the cancel culture. He said he's done, you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of college campuses. He won't do them anymore because he can't feel free to speak. And they were talking about that. And Adam was giving Don his theory on why 17 and 18 and 19-year-olds, along with the college administrators who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s in most cases, bow to these 17, 18, and 19-year-old know-nothings. Uh, those who think there is one point of view and can only be one point of view. And then they find out they're utterly unprepared for running into someone who disagrees with them and will either shrink or screech. Shrink or or scream. It's not a sink or swim response. It's a sink or scream response. They no longer know how to swim. They can't swim in a culture that disagrees with them. And Adam was relating it, borderlining on the COVID issue. By saying, you look at the Amish, pretty good example. The Amish kids don't get sick like the rest of American kids. I'm sure there are other cultures too. But he was pointing out the Amish because they don't have the protection of their kids that most of America gives. These kids breathe dust and play in the dirt. They're like the old George Carlin stand-up routine of swimming in the East River And they build an immunity system. And so when and if, I know in that community it's a big if, but when and if they do enter the real world, they are far more protected against natural natural, natural, uh, viruses and bacteria than others. Than others. Because they were tempered in a life. They were not shielded and protected, or as Adam likes to say, and he used it with Don McLean, drenched in Purell. That's what their physical health, what, that's what in part explains their physical health. That's what in part explains it. It's the same analog when it comes to ideas. Exposure enlightens, educates, and protects you. It obviously does the first two on principles we've discussed for a long time. How does it protect you? Well, your mode might just go back to swimming rather than screeching and screaming and canceling. You might be able to get along with people who don't agree with you. But of course, now, this element also depends 
really requires that the personal not become political and that politics doesn't infuse every aspect of life. What does this have to do with men? What does it have to do with men? It has to do with the fact that education at every level has become sociologically and I would say pathologically political and ideological. And it has been going on for some time. The war against boys, the war against men, but an element of it. But one element of it. Sexual liberals, George Gilder once wrote, simply ignore or deny male nature. This was 40 years ago. He wrote this. Think about how true it is now. 40 years ago. Encouraged by male feminists writing books about the male mystique and the myth of masculinity, American intellectuals and social scientists reduce manhood to androgynous mush, with men seen longing for the right to cry or to stay home and nurture children. Virility becomes a mere derivative of femininity. In fact, masculinity is now treated like sex in Victorian England, when suppression led to, obviously, all kinds of other problems. But it is a fact of life that the society largely condemns and tries to suppress and that intellectuals tried to deny male nature, just as the Victorians did with sex. So the denial of male nature in modern life warps and perverts the natural play and progression of male growth, including aggression, including non-aggression and non-aggressive behavior. You deny a nature, and God knows we are seeing it everywhere, where even humans, even 10-year-old humans, can change the nature they were born with. You have seen this. Have you seen it perhaps, too, in other aspects? Is there a difference in your mind from the kind of males we used to raise to the kind of males we raise now? I ask you to think about generals of your, if you've read any World War II history, you know that there's a great selection to read from, generals of your, from Patton to Eisenhower, you name it. Do you find the same kind of manhood in the same kind of most seemingly most masculine of institutions, today's military? Or rather, do you see those institutions putting out social media ads on how the military is welcome to people of any, no, or multiple genders. Do you think that difference is one of distinction or not? Is there something important about manhood and males? Let's look at the Bo Bergdahl situation. Can we look at the Bo Bergdahl situation? Do you remember this deserter in the U.S. Army? He now has a different first name. It's a female one. I don't know what it is. Six men, six men in the U.S. military died trying to save him and rescue him after he deserted his post. That was six other Americans. 
Five members of the Taliban were released from Guantanamo Bay in exchange for his life. Four of them, four out of that five, that are now in the government of Afghanistan, leading such institutions as the Department of Defense, Ministry of Defense, and Ministry of Cultural Information. That make you feel good? I'll have more to connect these dots in just a few. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us the great John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. He has a radio show as well here every Saturday morning on 960 AM, The Patriot at 7 AM, The Word on Wealth. John, welcome back. I hope you had a good weekend. I did. Thank you very much. You betcha. Did you go up north a little bit? Did you travel? Yes, I was up in Prescott, and the weather was wonderful, and uh, I encourage people to go up there and enjoy some of that cooler weather. It's still going to be really hot this week, from what I understand, too. Mention that great store up in Prescott. Oh, yeah, Liberty Lane. Folks have to go in and check out uh, Liberty Lane. What a great store my wife has put together up there. Everybody that comes in is just loving what they see, and uh, nice gifts and, and a lot of Americana, Yeah, which we believe in very much so. You betcha. Kind of a slow and sad um, uh, moment in our economy when it comes to Americana, if I'm reading the headlines right. I want to get to the issue of inflation paychecks in just a moment. But before I do, this headline's a little bothersome in the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. expected an economic takeoff, and it got a September slowdown. Yeah. You in agreement with that? I mean, it's only first week of September or ge- heading into the second. But you, you on board with things not looking as optimistic as maybe uh, the White House would have wanted? Well, I, I mean, obviously, uh, we're seeing because of the, um, you know, the scare of COVID nineteen, the, yeah. the new variant here. Um, the reopening has definitely kind of uh, had a slow. It's it had another hit, slowing yeah. down. So yeah. um, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, you look at the cancellations in the travel industry, you look at uh, uh, what's happening again, considering putting uh, mandates again, and states are, uh, you know, I, I, the Bahamas, uh, I was supposed to go on a trip to the Bahamas, and all of a sudden they get put on this high, you know, watch for COVID-19, and so Hawaii is shutting down again, other states, it's definitely uh, not going according to uh, plan, that's for sure, but I would say this. The underlying economy may not be, but the stock market is still, even though today was a little bit of a pullback, um, the stock market is still performing well, which, again, is telling me that there are a lot of companies out there that are getting positioned, if not already positioned, Seth, uh, to consider the new economy that is emerging right now, which is being able to weather another type of a pandemic that many believe, again, will happen. Mm. Mm. So, unfortunately, it's really hurting the uh, average American out there, but the bigger corporations are finding ways to work around this. Thank you for that, John. I appreciate it. And it's important to look at all those indicators. And not everyone is obviously in the same place. Now, do talk to me about this other slightly worrisome thing, because it doesn't have an immediate conceptual fix 
but the rise in wages possibly contributing to some of the inflation we're seeing. Rise in wages with still these concerns, right, of not getting enough people employed. Well, you've got two two little two factors here. Number yep. one, you've got companies that are trying to to find employees right now because their business is hurting and they need to get employees to get their business back on track. Mm. But because they're financially they're having some challenges, they're going to have to pay employees to get them more money. Mm-hmm. So those two things don't necessarily work, right? Mm-hmm. So the company's not doing as well, but I have to hire more, I have to spend more money. And that's going to be very difficult for a lot of these smaller companies. But I would say this, there are a lot of the larger companies out there right now that are blitzing. They're on a on a mission right now to start hiring people, even if that means paying them more. Walmart was one of them that came out uh, and talked about their their hiring. I saw uh, some of the other major financial industries out, uh, financial companies out there that are on the mission to hire a lot of people as soon as possible, and they're paying a lot more money. That's why I said if someone wants to work out there, Seth, there are jobs available people who want to work. Are you worried long-term, John, are you worried about the mismatch between what it's taking to get those employees and how it might contribute to inflation? Do you worry about those lines crossing, or do you think that pans out? No, I think there's definitely, you know, the the overall inflation that we're seeing, and I know the Fed Chair Powell is talking about um, that this is transitory, but it's once these uh, payroll, uh, out, you know, your payroll goes up, once uh, the cost of food goes up, the cost of gas, we know that that fluctuates. Uh, all of these things that are inflationary, many believe that those things are not going to change. They're going to be here to stay. I'm not, the, the vote's not out yet for me, but um, it definitely is, is going to be a challenge moving forward. There's no question about it. Thank you, boss. All right. Thank you. John Dombrowski, Grand Canyon Planning. I know you have to say your yep. words here. Sure. Securities and Advisory Services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipikin and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Bless you, John. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Bye-bye. I just, I just learned, I guess that's the original, but I just learned, you know that song, Bill, I, don't worry, I'm not going to put it into the bumper, but you know the song Muskrat Love by Captain and Tennille? It was uh, played at uh, the White House for the Queen of England in 1976 by Jerry Ford, who hosted the Captain and Tennille. I just learned America, the great band America, had a cover of it. I didn't know that. I'm always learning. I'm, I'm sometimes of the impression I'm, I'm, uh, I'm realizing how much I don't know the older I get. Joe Biden is putting out a, is delivering a speech on Thursday. Listener was picking up on what I was talking about and just emailed me. We're on the same page. The White House has has uh, publicized, has uh, promulgated that the president will be addressing the nation on COVID this Thursday. And all we know is that he's going to unveil a six-point plan. What could one imagine? 
What I don't think he's going to take questions, but if he does, might I suggest my first one being, Mr. President, you've talked a lot about not making this disease or the solutions to it political. In your acceptance speech at the Democratic National Convention, you blasted Donald Trump and criticized him for presiding over a disease that killed 170,000 people. Since you've become president, since you've become president, 267,000 Americans have succumbed to COVID, a 64% increase. Do you think the verdict you rendered on Trump should also apply to yourself? Wouldn't that be a wonderful question? Think anyone will ask it? No. No. But that's really, I believe, the the one of the top three questions I would think Americans have. Why are what you why is what you are doing any better or any different? than your predecessor who you continually criticized for his mishandling of this. Well, I don't know what's going to be in this six-point plan, but I have a pretty good idea of what won't be in it. Common sense. Now, you heard me last Monday, a week ago yesterday, talk about how great a discussion I saw on Bill Maher's HBO show, Real Time with Bill Maher. And it was a discussion with Ralph Reed and uh, Caddy Kay, formerly of the BBC. And I said, this really is maybe the most sophisticated, most genteel political discussion I've ever seen with respect and, uh, for viewpoints and acknowledgments of, uh, of, you know, being wrong. I saw it again this past weekend, and it's a shame on the entire profession of journalism It's also a shame on the entire profession, frankly, of education and the federal government. I'll show you why in a moment. That you leave it to a comedian who was unknown to most people 20 years ago to host the most sophisticated of discussions about the most serious of things. Yes, with some humor. But this weekend he had Max Rose on, who's a former congressman. Democrat from New York who worked on the COVID strategy with the Biden administration, now I believe is unemployed or consulting, and one of the stupidest people I have ever heard of in journalism, a columnist for the LA Times named Jackie Calms. I want you to listen to Bill Maher and Max Rose and Jackie Calms just for a moment. You're talking about hospitals. Absolutely. You can't let the hospitals be overrun. But the reason why hospitals get overrun is because we run them like airlines. 100%. They're for profit. Just the way an airline can never have an empty seat. The hospitals don't want empty beds. So they're always at almost capacity. Absolutely. That's no way to run a hospital. No, there's a for profit system. It also has to include addressing obesity. Listen to this. The ultimate third rail. I know people hate it when you bring it up, but it's in. The, let me. Re, this is in the paper this week. Forty percent COVID deaths. People had diabetes. If mm-hmm. name name other any other ailment someone would have, and you wouldn't say, "Oh my God, that's huge." We know seventy-eight percent of the people who have died or went to the hospital, obese. Eighty-eight percent of the deaths in the world were from countries with high obesity rates. 
How long can we ignore what is at the core of the problem? It's something that was killing us slowly before COVID, and then with COVID, yes, mm -hmm. your body cannot mm -hmm. take the stress. It's not healthy to begin with. The least little thing will take you down. And we still do not have any messaging from the White House, from we'll get, Dr. Fauci, you think from we'll, any... Hold that thought. You think we'll get one of the six points being a lesson on obesity? Continue. They will not mention it. Why? They don't want to offend Pepsi-Cola? Is that what it is? And McDonald's? Don't people have... Shouldn't they take some responsibility? What would you have um, the government... The government, that, by the way... Mention gives, it! ...gives tax subsidies to, to sugar. Not yes. Point. Make a huge... Well, let's stop benefit. that. And, I'd get good food into yeah. poor neighborhoods. I, you know, I this mean, is, sure. there's there's a million things you could do if you even addressed it. But they won't even the address it. The government can't even get mandates to wear a mask, Listen let alone take a vaccine. So what do you say? So many, don't get fat. You yeah. wouldn't. Yes, yes. Don't get fat. That would go over really well. And if really you are, well. stop being so. And you think you, the non-compliance with masks is big? Wait till you say, start telling well, people. You I don't know if the non-compliance with, with masks is that big, by the way. I've read reports of 80 to 90 percent compliance. Go on. You wouldn't worry so much about a mask if you weren't part of... I just read the statistics. Four out of five people who wind up dead... Sure. This is the reason. No, it, it's look, I is this I, about life and death? I'm or not isn't a, it? you know, I'm not a, obviously I don't think anyone here is a believer in body shaming. I think there's beauty no, across we're not the, the human experience. But evidently they believe in mask shaming and vaccination shaming when the government won't take the first step to do something about this, when it knows how to successfully message a point. Everyone knows about the vaccines. Everyone knows about masks. I believe there's a lot of misinformation about both. But it's because of government messaging that there is 100% compliance in at least knowing what we're talking about. That doesn't exist when it comes to the issue of obesity. When the government wants to, it can message. For those of you 50 or older... Let me just ask you a simple question. How many of you remember some time in your work history having colleagues who smoked cigarettes inside or out? And how many of you know one now? I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Maybe the last word of this hour before we head into hour two. Let me give out the phone number if you'd like to weigh in, 602-508-0960. I do have one issue with the Mar episode. If you go back and watch it or if you did watch it, you have to have an HBO subscription. Um, is a warning sign to everyone to be on the lookout for a fake liberal argument. I think we should do this and figure out a better phrase and maybe even have a sound element to it. But we're going to alert you to inoculate you, to vaccinate you against faux liberal arguments. And I saw one. We'll think of a good phrase for it. Uh, junk thought vaccination. I don't know. We'll think of it. That having been said, there was a piece of that going on 
unanimously on the Mars show last night, which was the making sport of conservatives and Republicans who were all in favor of getting out of Afghanistan and have now turned on a dime since it was done under Joe Biden. They were talking an awful lot about that with no examples. That's the red light. The yellow light was the beginning of painting conservatives without one there, talking about people they know nothing about. The second, that was the yellow light. The red light was their conclusion. I know of no conservatives, none, that think we should have stayed in Afghanistan. Not over the last four or five years anyway. I don't. And no, that didn't change because Joe Biden took us out of Afghanistan. They are missing the commentary and the analysis entirely because they don't listen to us. They caricature us. We have problems with the timelines and the way it was done. Okay, and all these arguments that Joe Biden did what Donald Trump was doing are simply false, simply false. First of all, there was flexibility in the Doha plan that Donald Trump inked. Flexibility such that if the Taliban went back on certain conditions, so too would we on certain withdrawals. That was entirely defenestrated by the Biden administration, number one. Number two, history doesn't reveal its alternatives. But one would like to think that a different administration would not have done all of this from Z to A, would not have done all of this under the principle of fire-ready aim, would not have done all of this under the principle of turning over Americans as well as American equipment and money to the terrorist enemy. The very thing Donald Trump condemned Barack Obama for doing while also maintaining to argue for our exodus from Afghanistan. There were a million things that were wrong with what Joe Biden did. None of them had to do with the notion that, yeah, we do kind of need to get out of there. Junk thought alert. Be prepared for it. You're going to see a lot of it. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.